Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We are a family on a journey to become more like Christ, sharing His kingdom by expressing His love. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. All right. I would like to begin this morning by recapping on some of the points we've spoken about over the last couple of weeks. I just want to put out a few highlights just so that we're all on the same page and that we're all tracking together. I realize some of you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, and so I want to just bring you um, into stride with us. We've been talking along the lines of living a naturally supernatural life. And the reason we're talking about this is because we are wanting to rediscover the full emphasis, the full meaning of the message of the gospel, not only for ourselves, but so that we can become equipped, ready, capable conduits of that beautiful and powerful message, not just in word, but in deed also. Amen? You see, there's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says that it is the message of the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. But he also, when he writes... Uh, to the Corinthians, he says, when I came to you, I didn't just come with eloquent speech, but in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. And so there is power in this message. Real, life-changing power. And so some of the points we were discussing over the last few weeks is, number one, that every engagement with God is an encounter with, with power. It's a power encounter. Every time we engage with God. Why? Because He is all-powerful. He is the omniscient, the all-knowing. He is the omnipotent, the all-powerful one. And why do we mention that? Because sometimes we can just pray, we can just be sort of, in a, in a blasé way, aware of His presence, or we can lift something up to the Lord, but we're not conscious of the fact that when we pray to God, we pray to God Almighty, and that prayers work. Former Archbishop of the, uh, of the Anglican Church once said, I can't remember his name, so please forgive me. He once said, you know, when I pray, coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. When we begin to pray and engage with Almighty God, we are engaging with power, and our prayers have the ability to avail much. We also sometimes come to God with the idea or with the thinking that we're asking something big. We're asking God to do something supernatural. And also, we need just a a slight reality check to realize that there is nothing supernatural to God. Things that are supernatural to us are very natural to Him. (laughs) He just speaks and the worlds were there. That's not supernatural for Him. That's a very natural expression of omnipotence. And we also need to therefore live with the realization that when God speaks things happen. When God speaks into my heart, into my life, into my situation, or through me into the heart, the life, or the situation of somebody else, things happen. Because His words carry power. Isaiah 55 says, no word returns to Him void that He has spoken, that He has sent forth. It always accomplishes that which He desires. And so for you and I, our responsibility in the kingdom of God has to do with how we respond to this incredible ability. That is your and my responsibility as children of God. How do we respond to God Almighty? How do we respond to the truth of His Word and to the power of His Holy Spirit? Because there is a false humility that gets us satisfied with so much less than God's full plan for us. 
Uh, and when this happens, we find ourselves thinking things like, I know God is all-powerful, I know He can do all things, I know He knows all things, but I'm just not sure He can, <clears throat> excuse me, or wants to do those things through me. That's for those people. That's for those spiritual people. That's for those people who are uh, paid to do this in ministry. That's for them, but that's not so much for me. I'm just little old me. What can I do? And we looked last week at how there is not a person in the Bible who was mightily used by God who didn't start by thinking that. You look at Moses, you look at Gideon, you look at, at so many people who all felt, oh, I can't do this. And were they right? Yes, every single one. And when you feel that way, are you right? Yes, every single time. But you see, this is the joy of it, that God is not calling you to do something. He's calling you allow, to allow Him to do something through you. And this is the wonderful engagement that God is drawing our hearts into and the practicalities that I believe God is awakening in us in this time and this season. The question that we need to answer is, am I willing to trust God despite my feelings of inability? Despite my feelings of insecurity? Despite feeling like, I I don't know if I can do this. Am I willing to trust Him anyway and to follow Him and to do what He says even though I don't feel like it? Or I don't feel I can. You see, absolute confidence in God relieves us of the need for any confidence in ourselves. Absolute confidence in God relieves us of the need for any confidence in ourselves. And so this morning, as we continue along this theme, I want to start off with a quote by a man named Lou Ingalls. He's an evangelist. God has used him mightily in, 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 in revivals in the past. And he made a statement that has really stuck with me. It really impacted me when I heard it. He said, there are not enough churches to contain the next move of God, but there are enough tables. There are not enough churches to contain the next move of God, but there are enough tables. And here's why I like that quote so much. It invites the power of God's kingdom into my home, around my dinner table, around my coffee table, around my desk at work, around any place where I can meet and gather with people and by the grace of God, share a meal. I, I, that's got to be part of the power of God at work, doesn't it? I love that. Because that means it's not up to some pastor, it's not up to some evangelist, it's not up to some person to go and bring in this great harvest and to minister to people and to disciple them. Because that means it's up to you and it's up to me. And the next revival, the next... The next um, what did he call it? The next move of God can begin around your dinner table, can begin around your coffee table or around your, ne- your desk at work. It can begin because you speak words into somebody that sets their hearts on fire. It can begin because you're having a prayer meeting or a gathering or an alpha course or a get-together with friends where God is present and things begin to supernaturally happen very naturally because we're aware of the omnipotent one with us and among us using us. You see, in the early church, there were no church buildings that people gathered in. They gathered from home to home, table to table, and they broke bread together. Now, I'm not against church. I'm not against big church, small church. All of these are great celebrations. They are important. They are necessary. But God is inviting you into something and me into something to use you and I in a way that perhaps we haven't engaged with before. Perhaps so much of our thinking is, I need to to invite that person to church. 
so that there they can experience something. That's a good thing. But what about you praying for that person and you bringing a word of knowledge to them, you speaking prophetically over their lives, you leading them to Jesus, you inviting them to your house and sitting around your table? What about that? Is God not as able, maybe even more so, to move powerfully through love and acts of kindness and reaching out? Amen. Absolutely. John 16, 7, Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Who is the helper? Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying, it's better for you that I go away. Otherwise, this helper, this this, this paraclete, the assistant, the one who comes alongside to aid you will not come. But now let me ask you a question. Who is the you Jesus is referring to in this verse of Scripture? Pop it up again for me, please, tonight. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Who's he speaking to? His disciples. He's speaking to the apostles. Is he speaking to you and me today? It's not just to their advantage, the apostles, so that they could get this wonderful Holy Spirit, so that they can do things. It's not just fivefold ministers. He says, it's for everyone who believes. John 7, 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Who is it for? Anyone who believes. Anyone who truly believes. Are you a believer this morning? I'm very nervous to nod my head or say yes now because I'm worried about where you're going with this, Michael. I think I'm a believer, but I first want to hear what you have to say next. Most of us struggle not with the concept of this reality. Most of us struggle in the area of yielding to it. I want to say that again. Most of us struggle not with the concept of the Holy Spirit being in us and with us and among us. Most of us don't struggle with the concept that in the presence of God and by the power of the Spirit, all things are possible. Most of us struggle with yielding to it. Being willing to say, Lord, do it in me. Lord, do it through me. Who knows what is possible when God begins to work through you? Bill Johnson said, we know that we can do nothing without Christ. The problem is we've learned to do nothing with Him. What a sad truth. That although we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, and although His presence is with us always, and He wants to lead us in His ways, He wants to call us into helping Him do what He is about, many of us do very little of that. And this is where I believe God is calling us. You see, the thing we need to settle in our hearts is not God's ability, but our availability to Him. And I love the word available. I want to read you a statement. You are available to the degree that you are available to the Holy Spirit. There it is. You can write it down if you like. You break the word up. You are able to avail great things. Uh, James chapter 5, I think it is, says, "The, the prayer of the righteous avails much. Right? So in other words, when we engage with Almighty in prayer 
and obedience, much can be accomplished. It makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working, says the old Amplified Version. When you and I become available to the Holy Spirit, we become avail-able. We become able, by His grace and power, to avail things that we cannot do in our own strength. Again here, what is the issue? Are there a whole bunch of hoops you need to jump through? Jesus didn't set any. Are there a whole bunch of courses you need to go on? Is there a whole bunch of, you know, liturgical things that need to be sorted out and put in place in your heart and life? No. The primary thing is that we avail ourselves to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus says to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and as a result, you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There is something that happens that God works something in us that makes us a walking and a living testimony to the power of God and to His grace. Not just through the evidence that people see in this new creation living out before them, but in the power that is wielded through the life of a person who is yielded to the Holy Spirit. I had a prophetic vision here on on Tuesday evening during our prayer meeting. By the way, I forgot to make announcements. Prayer meeting... Tuesday night, 7 o'clock at the church. Please come. You're all welcome. God is clearly moving in prophetic visions. But I had a picture. And the word is that, or the word and the impression that I had is that there is a unique and a special recipe that makes up the life and the purpose of this spiritual family. I was tempted to come and make flapjacks or pancakes with you this morning with my unique recipe. I took a group of people away in 2019. We went to the sending out in Jeffreys Bay, and I thought one morning I'll wake up early, I'll make pancakes for everybody with my unique recipe. I've been making it like this for my kids for years. They love my pancakes. Everybody else, they laughed at my pancakes. They said they looked like breakfast rooties, not pancakes. But they were sweet and they were delicious. Maybe I'll have to make them now all for you someday. But the impression that I had meant that it is, there is a unique expression of the Holy Spirit and what kingdom life is, will look like among us and within the life of this spiritual family because of the unique individuals and the unique manifestations and the gifts of the Spirit that God has given to each and every single one of the members of the spiritual family. It is not unique because we have a vision that is different from everybody else. It is not unique because there's a charismatic, good-looking pastor leading it all. It's got nothing to do with any of those things, whether they are true or not. It has to do with how each and every one discovers and expresses the unique gifting and the grace that God has put within them and learns to minister in that grace to be a blessing to the rest of the house. You see, if we don't understand this, we begin comparing ourselves to other people, to other churches, We begin to compare ourselves or to expect the move of God based on what He did before in a different time, in a different season with different people. What the move of God is going to look like in the spiritual family, what the grace of God as it is poured out week by week is dependent upon how each one, say each one, discovers and flows in their unique area of gifting. I see this so beautifully on a Tuesday night. I see this so beautifully in times when individuals are allowed and given the freedom to express their gifts and be who they are. It's a real blessing. I want to give you a confession this morning. And that is this. I 
am a gifted gift given. Can you say that to me, with me? I am a gifted gift given. Three parts to that confession. Number one, you are gifted. You are enabled and, in, and, and empowered by the Holy Spirit with special graces and special gifts. You are gifted by Him. Number two, you are a gift. Christ's love for and in you is the gift that God is giving to the world around you as you. It may sound arrogant, but in some ways you should work, walk into your workplace in the morning saying, God so loved this place, He gave it me. <laughs> because you are, in some ways, the only Jesus some people are ever going to encounter. God so loved my family that He gave it me. That's not an arrogant statement. That's realizing that in me, God has made me a gifted gift. But the third part is the part of transition. I'm not just gifted and I'm not just a gift. I'm a gift given. My name, Michael, means gift from God. But if I sit at home all day and I never do anything for anybody else and I never share anything with anybody else, what kind of gift is that? It's pointless. It's useless. Let's try it again. I'm a gifted gift given. I'm a gifted gift given. I want you to go home with that. I want you to write. If you want to put that on your mirror in the mornings and you can remember it, if you want to write it in your Bible, if you want to put it in your car, wherever you, you, wherever you go are a gifted gift given. And the giftedness of your gift, of who you are, is simply the person of the Holy Spirit. See, Romans 12, 6-8, Paul says, in His grace, God has given us different gifts to, for doing certain things well. Different gifts, by the way. We are not all called to preach. We are not all called to sing. And I am so glad for, to God that some people realize that. It's why you will never find me in a karaoke. Karaoke's are filled with people who, have, who do not have friends that love them enough to tell them the truth. Differing gifts. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Don't just, God has given me the gift of prophecy. Oh no, I'm an introvert. Introvertedness has nothing to do with being loud. Extrovertedness has nothing to do nothing to do with being flamboyant. Extroverted people love engaging with other people. Introverted people, by their very nature, engage and are refueled by being in solitude. Jesus himself demonstrated both perfectly. Many instances he separated himself introvertedly to be by himself with the Father. And many other times he came out from that place empowered by God to deal with and to work with people. So let us not use personality as an excuse. I want to pull that rug out from under you this morning. My biggest problem sometimes is I'm too, I get in the way of what God wants to do. Let's carry on. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Let's say it again. 
I am a gifted gift given. I am not meant to just come on a Sunday morning, for example, and be here, sit down and be a recipient all morning. I am not meant to come into situations always and just receive, receive, receive. Now, there's a part of being that here this morning. You are receiving the word of God that God has given me to give you today. This is me using my gift and me empowering, hopefully, your gift. There are roles, but we are not passive in this. We are not called to be passive, especially not when it comes to life in the Spirit. And this is what the Apostle Paul says to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, as he begins talking about the gifts of the Spirit. I want you to listen this morning with an open heart. I want you to listen to what God will say to you this morning as an individual, knowing that you are part of a collective group of people, a spiritual family, to whom you are a gifted gift given. This is what Paul says. Concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. New King James says ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. I don't want you to not know what they are and how they work. You know that when you were pagans or unbelievers, that you were led astray by mute idols, however you were led. Now, this whole idea of mute or, uh, again, New King James says dumb idols. I like that. Dumb idol. Dumb simply means mute. It can't speak. It cannot communicate with you. And this is a big deal because this is the huge, this is the differentiating factor. Because you and I have the Holy Spirit which connects us to a God who speaks. He is still alive. He still speaks. And His Word still carries power. When God, we've already said this morning, when God speaks into a situation, things happen. And so when we, we, we don't want to be ignorant of these gifts that, enge- that, that cause us to engage with the Spirit of God to hear what God is saying and to cooperate with what he is saying by either obediently acting on it or by speaking out that which he is saying, that which he is giving us. So verse 3 starts with, therefore, in other words, as a result of this, I don't want you to be ignorant, and as a result of the fact that your God, that our God is still speaking, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. In other words, there's a divine enablement that enables us to do these things. Notice here that Paul again emphasizes the spoken word. Verse 4, he says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there's a, there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. You see, this is what our blessed communion, our blessed kinonia, our blessed togetherness is all about. We are not called to be independent. We are called to be interdependent. You see, I've heard people say, you know, I don't, I don't need anybody else. I don't need, it's me and Jesus. I can follow Jesus just as, just, God can speak to my heart. He can tell me straight what he wants. I have a relationship with Jesus. And yes, praise God, you do, but you don't have every gift that you need. There are gifts in the body of Christ that you, that you need because, because the way God made you, you need that gift. There are things that need to be broken loose in you and broken off you that somebody else is walking in victory over and you need that grace. There are spiritual gifts that we need. 
I need and rely on and, and am so grateful for the ministry of prophetic voices around me who can speak into my situation, into my life, and into the life of the spiritual family to give us God's perspective of the seasons that we are in. Like the sons of Issachar, they knew the times and the seasons. If we don't know the times and the seasons, we can't cooperate with God. We can't move with His Spirit. I am so grateful with people that come with gifts to heal, gifts to set free, gifts of compassion and encouragement. Brothers and sisters, we need these. So let us not be proud and arrogant and think, I'm an island on my own. You're not. But also let us not be so proud and arrogant as to keep to ourselves that which God has called us to share. Let's move on. He says here, verse 7, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Each. Each. Not to some. Here again, I want to emphasize this point. Not to some, but to each. What he means is each and every single one. That includes you. And it includes you. And you, and you, and you, and you. Say me. It includes you. That's why you are a gifted gift given. Each one. Let's listen to how some other translations say it. New King James Version says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. New Living Translation. The, spirit, the spiritual gift is given to each one of us so we can help each other. And what I want you to open your heart to this morning, my dear brothers and sisters, is the realization that God has a gift for you in the Holy Spirit that is uniquely attuned to how you are wired and how you think. And you may think you're weird and wacky, and that's just how He made you, because there's a, your, the gift that He has for you needs that to function. In people with normal wiring, that gift doesn't work. They've got other gifts. But as you sit here this morning, Know that the Spirit of God is deposited and He's awakening and He's breathing upon a gift that He has placed in you and has assigned for you to flow in and to minister in for the, blessed, for the blessing of the whole body. We need what you're carrying. We need that gift. And then He goes on to name them and to, to share what they're about. Verse 8, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, uh, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. Each one individually as He wills. Are you ready and willing to be available to that? That's the question. That's the question that God is asking us. It's, there's, there's no limit to what He can do through you and I. If we are simply willing to say, Lord, okay, I believe there is a gift, because I'm in each one. I believe that you can do something powerful through me, a spiritual, supernatural gift that supersedes what I am able to do, think, imagine, say, 
because it is born of and, and worked out by the power of your Holy Spirit. All God calls us to do is make ourselves available so that He can avail Himself through us for the benefit of others. A little bit later in the same letter, Paul writes 1 Corinthians 14, 1, Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Folks, to desire does not mean to tolerate. I was so blessed one day. I heard, I heard somebody who's a minister in this community, and he said to me, you know, God really convicted me on this. I, he was raised and, and spiritually uh, equipped in a denomination that knew and understood and didn't mind the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but certainly didn't practice or want to flow in them with any, in any great way. And he once had a conversation with somebody about the spiritual gifts, and he said to them, you know, I'm, I'm open to the spiritual gifts, but, you know. And then when he read this verse, God arrested him. And his testimony really arrested my heart as well. He said, my son, I never asked you to be okay with spiritual gifts. I asked you to pursue them. So not only do I need to have a realization this morning that I'm a gifted gift to be given, that there is a unique gift and call that God has for you in the power of the Holy Spirit. But God is calling you today to pursue it, to find it, to go after it, to learn how to use it. You see, we need to learn how to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We need to learn how to walk in discernment. Learn how to use the gift to bring it to its natural and to its maximum effectiveness. God doesn't call us to tolerate them. He calls us to desire them. To desire means to long for, to express a wish to obtain, to ask for. And we're going to do that this morning. We're going to ask the Lord for the gifts of His Holy Spirit to come into manifestation. Here where we meet, but not just here. As we go that by the unction of the Spirit, we would be awakened to the realization that God can say and do things to and through us in the midst of our workday, while we wake up in the middle of the night from sleep, whatever it may be. To desire means a strong feeling of wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen. So not only does Paul want us not to be ignorant about spiritual gifts, he calls us to embrace the mindset and the attitude of desire. Now, I want to say to you this morning, you, by the grace of God and as an act of your own will, have the ability to change your mind and to thereby change your attitude in a moment. We don't teach people this. We don't teach children this. We get led around by our emotions, how we feel, and our insecurities because we're never taught. You know what? You have, by the grace of God, the ability called will. You have a will that gets to choose. So Paul is saying here, I want you, dear Corinthians, and I'm saying to you this morning, by the grace of God, I want you, dear Alpha and Omegans, to embrace an attitude, an attitude that says, Lord, I realize that I have, you have called me with purpose and gifted me with purpose that I have not been pursuing. I want to change that today. I'm going to set my heart to pursue and discover the unique gift that you have placed within me that I may express it and work it out. And listen, maybe you know what your gift is. I'm not assuming for one second that everybody here is completely ignorant. Please forgive me if I've communicated the message that way. Maybe we know what part of our gifting is. But there's something in the Spirit that's saying, there's more. 
There's more. Let's press in. Let's desire. Let's go after the manifestation and the life of the Spirit of God. Again, in, a little bit later in the same chapter, verses 39 and 40, he says, My dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. And then he's, he's really, what he's doing in the Scripture, he's addressing the way that they were flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. Because what was happening in Corinthian church was there was a mess. Everyone was competing. Everyone was using this, this amazing flow of the Spirit of God to draw attention to themselves and posturing and jesting, and it was a mess. And so he's correcting them. He's telling them how to do these things in order. But never once do we get the impression that Paul is calling them to cease, to stop. He says, no, I want you to press into these things. I want you to go after them because they're the grace of God working among you. They're the Spirit of God doing things that you can't do in the flesh, but let's do them in an orderly way. Let's do them by the Spirit of God and in the, in the, in the Spirit and the atmosphere of love and consideration one for another. Now, I realize as I share this message that this is uncomfortable to most of us. You think it's uncomfortable sitting there? You should try standing up here. And that is because we need to change this area in our thinking. We need to learn to think and behave in a new spiritual way. Remember, you are not a human being having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being created in the image of God, in tune and in touch with Him, having a human experience. <laughs> what a difference that, little, that one little change makes to the way I approach the world around me. Therefore, spiritual things should be natural to us. But we've become so attuned to the natural world that we find it difficult to flow in the spiritual things. So let's learn. Let's learn. Let's discover together. Let's embrace this opportunity together. Let's make some mistakes together. Not on purpose, please. But let's press in. Let's say to God, yes, I am available. I don't know or understand everything about it. I don't know or understand what it may look like or how it's going to work, but I do trust you. And I trust that you have the ability to lead and to guide my heart according to peace and truth, and the gift that you have given me. And in so doing, engage with the life and with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.